Thank you, King of Glory. Thank you, our God. Father, we bless you. We honor you. We give you all praise. We give you our adoration. Thank you, King of Kings. In Jesus' mighty name. Okay, we're going to rise up on our feet one more time again because he had prepared us that we're going to pray. Hallelujah. The Bible says, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. Amen. Amen. So that's the reason why we're gathered together. That's the business. That's the business. And we understand our Father's business. Hallelujah. Thank you, King of Glory. Hallelujah. Let's just begin to glorify him because he's a faithful God. Let's worship him because he's the unquenchable fire. The fire that burneth but does not consume. However, if he wants to consume, he also consumes. That's why the Bible called him the consuming fire. Father, we give you glory. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Because you are the fire that consumes every fire that's about our lives. That was why the Hebrew boys could stay loose and free inside of the fire. Lord, we give you glory. We exalt your holy name. We declare, Lord, that you are a faithful God. Your words say, even though we, if we go through fire, that you will be with us, that the fire will not scourge us or consume us. Father, we give you glory as a people. Because indeed, not that the enemy has not been tried. He has tried in so many ways, but Lord, he has failed. That's why we remain standing. Father, so we give you praise. Just thank God personally for your life, for your home, for the life of your children, the life of your spouse. Say, Father, I bring you praise today. I honor you. I give you the fruit of my lips. Say, Lord, I make good my vow that I will praise you at all times. In every situation, in every circumstance, I have told you that I will praise you. So today, I thank you for the privilege and the access to be able to make good that vow. So, Lord, that's why I bless you today. Lord, I have not come to load you with a burden of care as though you were Father Christmas. I know you are a faithful God. So I return with praises to you, my God and my fortress. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for all your children that were away in the mission field. That you brought them back safely. Father, we give you glory. We bless your holy name. Because we commit these things into your care. And Lord, you were mighty to preserve. Mighty to uphold. For this reason, as a church, we say thank you, our God. We praise you, our King. We declare, Lord, that you are God alone. That you are God alone. You are worthy of all our praise. You are worthy of our adoration. Thank you. Thank you, King of Kings. Thank you, Lord of Lords. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So as Uncle has read earlier, when the Hebrew boys were thrown into the fire, when they threatened to do so, there's the first thing they said. They said to the king Nebuchadnezzar that we know our God is mighty to save. By so saying, they declared their faith and their confidence in God. Tell God, say, Lord, I have confidence in you. Any day, any time, I have confidence in you. In every situation, I have confidence in you. Lord, no matter what I'm passing through right now, I have confidence, Lord God, that you're able to deliver. I have confidence that your hand is not too short. No matter what the doctors have written or any statement and writing that is contrary to me, I have confidence that you are able to overturn. Lord, I express my confidence. Or I talk to him about those things you need to be overturned. Those things that are holding sway in your life, that you need an overturning. It might be health situation. It might be family situation. It might be relationship situation. It might be a door you need to enter into that shut up in your face. Declare your confidence in your king. Say, Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you because I'm able to keep your head to preserve. I thank you because you are the lifter of my head. That's why I express my confidence in you. 
give you glory, my God. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. That's not good enough, church. Let your amen be born again. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you, ma'am. Then when the Hebrew boys they move further from their statement of confidence in God, a declaration of their faith, then they now add another statement, which I call the righteous ultimatum. I've been teaching, I said, while we were in Sierra Leone, I have never prayed that prayer point before, but you are in an environment where people are in so much difficulty, so much challenge, and yet still they have a passion for the living God. In a terrain that is so difficult and so hard, and yet you see the heart of men and women pouring out for the living God. And God, you see, situation, you see, if you have a baby that is suckling, suckling mother will tell, as the baby is suckling and suckling, it will make you to reproduce. Hallelujah. Oh, that environment they can, they can, they can feed. Hallelujah. As they were suckling, God led me to ask them to give God an ultimatum. Hallelujah. And I do, they were shocked. They were shocked because nobody have ever heard about giving God an ultimatum. They were thinking maybe I was a Buddha priest. I saying give God an ultimatum. No, no, no. I explained quickly. So I'm not asking you to give God the ultimatum of fools. The ultimatum of fools say, God, by December, if I am not married, eh, that's the end with me and you. I am no longer obeying you anymore. The ultimatum of fools, they give God a time span. Say, Lord, if I don't experience this healing that I've seen in your book, by next year, ah, if me and you, we are finished. I will go and try other, other gods. That's the ultimatum of fool. You know the righteous ultimatum? The first one that gave God the righteous ultimatum is called Job. He said, even though he permit me to be slain, yet will I praise him. Hallelujah. Even if the victory does not blossom, I will give him glory. Hallelujah. That's, that was the ultimatum the Hebrew boys gave the king. They said, yes. First, they declare their faith because it is written. If you go through water, if you go through fire, I will be there with you. They say, if you throw us into the fire, we have a God mighty in the unquenchable fire. He will be with us. They now say, however, that's our faith declaration. Now, this is our ultimatum of righteousness, our ultimatum of faith. Say, even if it doesn't show up, yet still we are not going to bow to your God. Yet to him alone shall we worship. Why don't you give your God an ultimatum of righteousness? Say, Lord, even if the fig tree does not blossom, I will yet still praise you. I will praise you to the end. The end is our ultimatum. Give him an ultimatum. Give him the fruit of the lips. Go ahead and do it. I don't know what you are believing God for. But this is an ultimatum the righteous give God. They say, no matter what may come my way, that will taught me to say, it is well with my soul. They say, even if the only branch fell, yes, still will I praise you. Your praise shall never cease from my heart. No matter where I may be, Lord, my glory, I shall give to no other. All glory I shall bestow unto you. Go ahead and speak to him. Make mention of the situation. Make mention of the circumstance. And declare to him that, Lord, I have absolute confidence in you. I issue out an ultimatum to heaven. That my worship is not a conditional one. That my praise is not a conditional one. That my adoration is not a conditional one. follow you to the end I will worship you to the end I will declare your praise to the very end in Jesus mighty name we pray
it was that vow that the man called Jonah, you know Jonah the one that swallowed by the fish, that was buried at the bottom of the sea, that was the vow he fulfilled to God. He had told God, wherever I find myself yet, I will praise you. And the Bible says, and, and Jonah made good his vow to God. I've shared it with you before. I asked myself, who passed him the offering basket in the belly of the fish at the belly of the sea where he was buried? God said, nay, it's not the offering basket. It's that he has vowed to me that wherever I am yet, I will praise you. The moment he began to praise God where he was buried, I tell them, Jonah was buried times two. He was buried in the belly of the fish, in the belly of the sea. But as he began to make good his vow, that no matter what may come my way, I will lift up your name. The Bible said God and, and heaven rose up. God commanded everything that swallowed his destiny to go and vomit him. As you do so now, everything that has swallowed your joy, they will vomit it in the mighty name of Jesus. Alright, go ahead and do it. Do it with conviction. Do it with assurance. I don't know what situation has buried. I don't know how far buried it is. I don't know how deep in the well of the ocean it is. Everything that has buried your finances will vomit it. That was why Jesus said, go cast a rope, you will get a fish. Thank you, our Father and our God. Thank you, our King, the King. Glory be to our God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. The last prayer we're going to pray for now is that it was because of what the boys did that activated the ministry of the fourth man. Uh, you will know the ministry of the fourth man in your life in the baptism of Jesus. He said, were there not three boys we bounded and throw in the furnace? Say, lo and behold, we see four people. Hallelujah. The one who said, wherever you may be, if you are in the fire, I will join you there. I join them then. Heaven will join you wherever you are. In the mighty name of Jesus. And wherever, wherever the presence of God is, is what is heaven. Thank you for that song, sir. Say, your presence is heaven to me. Anywhere Jesus is, is heaven. Hallelujah. That's why Moses said in Exodus 33, he said, that land is flowing with me, we make He said, God, I don't want to go there. He said, if your presence is in this wilderness, let us just remain in this wilderness. Because wherever your presence is, every student of scripture knows that the presence of God is heaven. He said, let us stay in this past and dry land. You are going to say to God, Father Lord Jesus, activate the ministry of the fourth man in my family situation and in my life. The ministry of the fourth man. That I might know the presence of the living one. That I might know the presence of the unquenchable fire. Or that I might know, Lord God, your awesome presence. It doesn't matter where I am. Lord, so long your presence is with me. That is heaven to me. So long as your glory is with me. That is heaven to me. No matter what may hold in my life. Lord, so long as you are with me. That is heaven to me. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. The Bible tells us in Genesis 39. That and Joseph. And Joseph became. Was thrown in the pit. He became a slave. He became a houseboy. He became a prisoner. At each stage of the journey. And the Bible will hint us. Joseph did not know. God will come and whisper, and the Lord was with him. No matter where they think you are going down to, so long as God is with you, everyone that has mocked at you will come to bow at your feet. All his brother and his father, they bow at his feet. 
situation will bow at your feet in the mighty name of Jesus. Lift up your voice to the Holy One of Israel. Magnify Him. Father, thank you because you are with me. Father, we give you praise this morning. We declare that you are a righteous God. You are a faithful one. In Jesus' awesome name we worship. In Jesus' name we worship. Put your hands together for Jesus and celebrate him. Celebrate him like though you know him. Celebrate him with conviction. Declare his praise. Hallelujah. 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 You can be seated. You can be seated in every blessing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, our God. That we have confidence in you. Any day, any time. In every situation. In all things and at all times. We are persuaded beyond the shadows and the corridors of doubt. Hallelujah. When I saw the way they worship in Sierra Leone, I said, now I know I'm not mad. I said, you guys, you've done something for me. You've confirmed to me that I'm not mad in London. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We had confidence that God was going to bless us by taking us there. And he made good that. It wasn't a question of what we were going to do there. It was God taking us aside in order to bless us. And we were thoroughly blessed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Five of the participants, they returned yesterday. And that's Uncle Pavel, Auntie Monica. Auntie Monica is not here because she's, she went to work overnight, isn't it? That's why she's not here. Amen. So that you don't think our soldier is sleeping at home. Hallelujah. For nothing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then we also have Shimon. Where's Shimon? Okay, he's in the children's church. And we had um, Auntie Tolu. Hallelujah. Okay, she's with the youth. Amen. And we had Auntie... Auntie... Obichuku, Jean, hallelujah. So they all returned back yesterday to the grace and to the glory of God. We bless God. We are delighted that our God is a faithful God. And of course, the other team that have returned before. Thank you. And I'm persuaded that God is already doing awesome things. There were things we were going back and forth, trying to ask and trying to inquire from left, right, and center. And a building that a rebel bombed and things like that, trying to get information from him directly. And by the time I was returning, I hear we already have a contact to the president direct. Yeah. Hallelujah. So, so it was, it's no longer an issue of touting to find out. Not even the minister of housing now that is responsible for that location, but the president direct. We give God praise. Yeah. That is the working of God. All right, you say, Pastor, it's always spirit. Tell me it's an accident. Tell me it's an accident. Hallelujah. It's not an accident. I tell you the truth. It's not an accident. Hallelujah. We give God praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Then I also want to bless God. We've been busy worshiping here. If you've been listening to Christian radio carefully, probably you would have heard a young man that they are interviewing. And his name is Kelechi Ifi. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All the Christian radio, they want to hear his voice. Amen. Hallelujah. How many radio were you on during this week? Yes. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that we don't look down on ourselves here. Amen. Hallelujah. God is at work and the appointment is for Saturday. I was thinking, are we releasing the album now, 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 so? All right. Because I was ready to begin to say, all right, how many are you going to buy? Amen. But I now recover that it's Saturday. So we are, we are going to make an appointment with God. 
and that's how we stand with our own. Amen. Not that we are hearing his voice on the radio. And we say, you see that song they are singing on the radio from our church? They, they, that's where they incubate it. No, no, no. We are going to be there. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 What, time, what time is program starting? 6.30. Veku will be leaving from here if you don't have um, transport. I heard that the flyer has been distributed last week. Amen. Amen. Praise the mighty Jesus. Because some of those songs have been using it for my own personal worship. And God started convicting me. You're busy using it. You've not been sowing seeds. So I've been praying for the man seriously. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The one who water must be watered in return. Praise the mighty Jesus. So we make it an appointment of faith to be there on Saturday. Hallelujah. Is there still flyer left? Because some people may not have flyer last week. So we make flyer ready. And by the grace of God, God will do us some things. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I think we have two of the songs in the album, isn't it? Is it two that we, you give us taste today? Yeah, one. One. You are. What about the second one? Oh, it's not yours. I can believe. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It just all sounds awesome in my hearing. Amen. Amen. The joy of the Father is my joy. I'm not like the second son at home that didn't have the joy of the Father in his heart. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Everything that is sweet in my daddy sweets me. Mm-hmm. Don't mind my grammar. It will be like this. In Syria alone, I preach in three languages and I mix all together. English, Creole, and Broken. If I want Gio came to tell me, he said, just do the thing in Broken. He said, you are, you are doing fine. We're, we're getting your vibe. Hallelujah. So if you see, look, I'm shooting bullets. I'm still recovering. Praise the mighty Jesus. And so our Father and our God, we thank you this morning. We give you praise, our rock and our fortress. We say you are God alone. You are God alone. And you are a faithful God. You are a dependable king. That's why we worship you. That's why this morning we have brought our worship before your feet. In adoration to who you are. We are persuaded that you are bigger than every God. You are bigger than whatever any man can say. Glory be to your name, our eternal. For in Jesus' name we pray. Holy Spirit, we say you are our trusted voice. Come and teach us. Instruct us. Speak to us, feed us, revive us, restore us, strengthen us by your spirit for your own glory and your name's sake. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. If we turn our Bible quickly to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 35. Hallelujah. Next week, Uncle Pavel will be giving um, some of the feedback from Sierra Leone. Uh, we just give them a sufficient time to gather the pictures together and whatever they will use for the presentation so that we we give um, a good accounting as good stewards of God. Hallelujah. Matthew. Matthew 5 from verse 35. Hallelujah. And I'll read. It says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the order to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, he said, go with them too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
He said, but I say to you, love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. He said that you may be the sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collector do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collector do so? Therefore, you should be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. So that's our text for today. And by the name of Jesus, I'm trusting that through this word, God is going to do all something in individual life. But I will make an emphasis as I describe um, the passage and the understanding that God has given. If you look at carefully, if you look at verse 41, and that's where I want to emphasize for today. But the whole of the passage is talking about um, Jesus now. He said, you've heard, they've said to you, if this happened, you should do this. If the, in the law it is written like this, he said, but I say unto you. So by doing that, he's changing the law. Or better still, as theologians want to say, they say he's intensifying the law. He's taking it further. Yes, you've heard that they've said this, but now I say unto you, and the only one who can say, I say to you, is the maker of the heaven and the earth. Hallelujah. So by sitting there in the shore of Galilee, or whatever that location is, he's laying claim to be God. Even by having that discussion. That's why they say he makes himself equal to God. He's the people who had him first and they wanted to stone him to death. They say, who is he? Who does he think he is? Because you heal a couple of sick people and open blind eyes, does that make you God? And they were upset with him. In fact, many, many times, many times, they say he blasphemed. They say, you a mere man. They said, we know his brother and his sister. And those are one of the situations where they really got furious with him. Two weeks ago, I was sharing with you guys the, 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 the parable of the prodigal sons. And I was telling you that, that that beautiful story that you are enjoying here and you are smiling, the people he was telling, they were furious. They said, are you trying to tell us we are not born again? Are you trying to tell us we are lost? They say, how dare you? We are sons of Abraham. We are slaves to no man. And he was telling them, you will likewise perish. And after he told them the whole of the essence of the parable, and the bottom line is that there are people that are lost on the outside, but there are those who are lost within. I say, if you too don't likewise perish. So the ones on the outside must repent. The one that's on the inside too must repent to be partaker in the kingdom of heaven. And to a Jewish person, that's like a slap on the face. And here we see him again because he's the author of life. He's the wisdom and the power of God. He's the one who said, let there be and there was. He's the one who hung the sun in the sky. 
to tell you that the Son of Man has authority. The Son of Man has life in his head. He said, I can issue out life. I don't have to go and ask the Father that, Daddy, please, I want to issue out life to this person. For he is God himself. He's not assistant God and the Holy Spirit, their errand boy. The Bible said there are three persons in Trinity. They are co-equal and co-God. Three in one. Amen. Amen. So and every God is a life-giving spirit in himself. Whoever he chooses to give life to, he can give life. So he's the, one of the prerogatives. This is what we call the, the divinity of Christ. He's displaying himself to be the, the divine. Hallelujah. So on this occasion, he began to speak to them on the mountain. And he said to them, verse 41, our emphasis for today. Because there's so much you can learn. He said, whoever compels you to go one mile, he said, go with them too. Tell your neighbor, if they compel you to go one mile, go with them too. And that's where we find the topic of today's sermon. And I want us to agree what topic do you want. In one mile, I say we should call it the extra mile. On another occasion, I say we should call it the second mile. What should we call it so that they know what to put on it? Huh? Somebody say the extra mile. Hallelujah. So I will use those words interchangeably. The extra mile. Okay, in Israel it is established. Because by the time Jesus, by the time Jesus came here in the flesh and on earth, in Israel, Israel was under Roman colony. Amen. I'll just give you a background so that you understand what he was saying to them. And in Israel, so long as there's a Roman citizen, a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier. If the soldier is going off somewhere, by being a Roman citizen and a Roman soldier, he can see a Jewish person, an Israelite, and he will say, hey, you there, come. Carry my bag. So you'll be his beast of burden for one mile. You owe it to him because he's a Roman citizen. Amen. Our citizenship love value. Hallelujah. In those eras, citizenship has value. Ask Paul. When they wanted to slice in there, he quickly confessed, I'm a Roman citizen. Hallelujah. All of you that are British citizens and you're not using for the glory of God, I don't, on that day, maybe that pastor not witness against you. Amen. Ah. Amen. Because we saw it in the Bible that, that uh, <laughs> citizenship is of value. So a Roman citizen that's a centurion can wake up in the morning, he's going towards was Ilford and meet a Jewish citizen, a son of the soil, who wakes up in the morning and is going towards Romford and say, hey, hey, come, come. That's my body. Oh, yeah. Oshuka, put it on your head. Follow me. For one mile. Are you holding that one mile? Let me tell you the truth. In Israel, they hate them like death. Even you yourself. Eh? Say, for example, now, if they say just because your complexion is dark, eh, if another person has another complexion, sees you, they can tell you to carry their baggage. Say, me too, I'm going to work, Mr. Man. Eh. See, they can, the word is compel. You owe it. Meaning that if you don't do it, you're in trouble. Are we together on this? Okay, this is in the context which Jesus was telling them. He said, somebody compels you to go with them one mile. And they know the, the somebody he was tell, talking about. So I said to you, you will not go with them one mile. So you go an extra mile. 
Hallelujah. No wonder he got to a point. The disciples said, man, this thing, who can, this thing is too hard. Who can walk this kind of walk? Say, if they slap you on one cheek, what's the second mile? <laughs> let me practice. Let me practice. Yeah, let me see if there are any disciples of Jesus. We spirit feel here. Yeah. We, 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 we spirit feel. Uh, uh, is anybody spirit filled here? Yeah, say, so let's practice. Any disciple of Jesus here? All right, disciple of Jesus, let's see your hand. Uh, you, be, you, want to, you want to deny Jesus? Hey! So all the disciples of Jesus, you heard what your master said. So now I can issue out a good backhand and pose like this and I will be sure that there will be no retaliation. And as against retaliation, I can be sure that there will be a turning of the other side. Let's try Auntie Nicole first. You know she's gentle. I don't want to try somebody that can beat me up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Brethren, that was the context in which Jesus was teaching this sermon. And I tell you, the people he was communicating this truth to, they weren't finding it in fact that they were under oppression of the roman alone was repressive to everything that they are and they believe they are then there it was on that plane that jesus arrived say they slap you on one cheek you go the second mile you turn the other one say they compel you to go with the one mile you see the one the first mile is called the call of duty the call of duty. Tell your neighbor the call of duty. You see, if you go with them one man, there's no difference because you are bound by duty to do it anyway. If you don't do it, you'll be in trouble. Let me tell you a call of duty now. For you to take care of uh, Tukomi, it's a call of duty. If you don't do it, you know that policeman can knock on your door. It's a call of duty. A responsibility. It's a social service. <laughs> it's a call of duty. He said, for them to go one mile, he said, you are not doing anything. So that's the call of Jesus. So Jesus expects that all his children, all the born again people, all the disciples, we go the first mile. It's a given. Then now he's expecting them to go the second mile. So what's the second mile? What is the second mile? If the first mile is a call of duty, call of obligation, social obligation, the second mile is a call of love. The call of love. He said, if you love me, you will obey my command. So the church is not a place where people just gather. The church is a place where we fulfill the call of duty and the call of love. Amen. He said, look, if you greet only those who greet you, he said, what have you done better than the tax collector? That's the first mile. That's social responsibility. That's parental obligation. First mile. I pray that the Lord will speak to your heart in the mighty name of Jesus. So remember, the first mile is a call of duty. The second mile is a call of love. And we're going to look through our scripture. How many of you have heard the, the word, the born servant? 
bond servant. Bond servant. Give us Romans chapter 1 verse 1. Romans 1 1. Romans 1 1 quickly. The bond servant. Romans chapter 1 verse 1. It said, Paul, a bond servant of Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to, to, the, to the gospel of God. Who is a bond servant? Church, who is a born servant? Then also, if you look at even Timothy, Timothy, Paul would start most of his letter by referring to himself as a born servant. He said, Hi, Paul, a born servant. Titus chapter 1, verse 1. He said, Hi, Paul, a born servant. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. He said, Hi, Paul and Timothy, born servants. So it wasn't only Paul that is a born servant. Amen. Amen. So the question now is. Who is a born servant? And how does being a born servant relate to going the extra mile? Let's turn our Bible, church, to Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 21. And somebody will help me read from verse 1 to 6. Exodus chapter 21 from verse 1 to 6. Is there anybody that can read for us? Hallelujah. From verse 1 to say, anybody, anybody, volunteer just to read for us as a church, yeah? Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Now, these are the judgments which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve, serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost. And his master shall pierce his hair with an hour, and he shall serve him forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Do, do we get that story? He said, the slave, the servant has done his time. First mile. If you are a slave, if you run away before finishing your time, there's consequence. It's death. He has finished his time, the call of duty and obligation to his master. He said, but when he was supposed to get his freedom, his liberty, he said, because I love my master. He said, both me and my household and my children, we shall stay and we shall serve him forever. Amen. You see now why Paul described himself as a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? How many born servants here are here? A born servant. Those who are responding to him. But not because there's any consequence. You know, the first mile, your failure to do it, there's a consequence. The second mile is the call of love. He said, because I have done all my obligations, I have fulfilled my first mile. It's now time for me to be set free and to be set at liberty. He said, no, for love. Because I love my master. 
as Christian, the purpose and the essence of your Christianity and your work and your labor in the kingdom must be the second mile, the extra mile. Say, because of the love that I have for my master, I know that I have completed my first mile. I will stay. Now, how many bond servants are still in the church? How many are still working that second mile? Remember, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my command. How many love Jesus? That's the question the church must ask itself. How many are saying to the Lord and the Master that I am a bond servant? I'll give you some example of bond servant. You know this woman, there's this woman called Ruth in the Bible. How many of you have heard about Ruth before? Ruth. You know, after Ruth, Naomi's sons had died, and, and Naomi now wanted to return back to Israel. Ruth is a Moabite girl with Ophir. They were married to Naomi's children. And Naomi said to them, say, look, my sons have died, your husband. Say, and I'm returning back to Israel. Say, Lord, you've been kind to me and to my dead son. You've done well. Thank you. You can return back to your father's house. And may you find rest in the home of another husband. Both of them began to cry. But eventually, Ophir kissed Naomi and said, bye. But guess what Ruth did? Ruth said, eh, do not compel me to leave you. Say, by God, I will follow you to the end. Your God will be my God. He said, she doesn't owe it. That's the second mile, the call of love. You see, as at the time Naomi said, you've done well, she's fulfilled her first mile. Are we together, church? But by the time she said, and the Bible said, in, in, Ruth, in, in, in Ruth chapter 1 verse 14, it said, and Ruth cleave to Naomi. Goodness and mercy will cleave to your life in the mighty name of Jesus. It said, God is taking you somewhere. Hallelujah. I'll give you another example of somebody who did the second mile. You see, there's this guy who got double portion in the Bible. I don't know if you've heard about him before. At a point when he has fulfilled his duty as a servant of the prophet, Prophet Elijah said, okay, now you can go. He said, because now um, God is sending me and you've done your duty, you've done well. He said, no, 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 I will follow you. And when he was following the second man, when Elisha was going the second man, how many of you have ever prayed to God for double portion of the anointing? Uh, you, you know where they got the double portion. When he was following Elijah the second man, guess what? A lot of people began to mock him. They are called the sons of prophets. I don't know, maybe you are trying to do your second mile with God. A lot of people are laughing at you. It might be in your home. It might be people close to you. They are telling you, you and this church, you and this God, you and this, you and that. That was the way it was with Elisha. They were laughing at him. They said, hey, look, do you know that the Lord will take your master? He said, yes, I know, but you be at peace. He said, whenever you are going your second mile and people are beginning to scourge you, a comment, a comment, they want to use it to weaken your conviction. One thing, people drop something here. They drop something there. They, drop they want to weaken your conviction because, you see, the person going to the second mile always appears stupid. Amen, church. Anybody that is going the second mile always appears very stupid. <sighs> is that what you came to? It looked like you came to look at the bridge in London. What's yours? What's your own stress? You're only just too much. Ah, ah. Everybody going their second mile always appears stupid. Even with Ruth. Do you know Naomi still 
I don't have any son to give you. See, even if I get married tonight and I give birth to a son tonight, will you even be able to wait for the son to grow up? Then you marry him? See, you are a loser, girl. That's what they were trying to say. You are a loser. What are you coming to me for? But say, by God, I will follow you. Anybody going their second mile, I don't know what your experience is in your Christian work, but people who are truly going their second mile with God, they always appear like a fool. It's just like if in your workplace now, your colleague slap you on one side and you turn the other side. Guess what other colleague will say? Christianity has made some people to become gentes. Eh? What? Oh dear, oh dear. You see, anybody walking the second mile, that was how Ruth looked on that day. But I've, I've got good news for you. All the people that go the second there's nobody that obey God that don't come out triumphant. Eventually, Ruth became the wife of Boaz. When she gave birth, she gave birth to a son called Obed. The, the whole of the book of Ruth is just to tell us that story. That she was the one who gave birth to Obed, the woman who went the extra mile. See, then Obed became the father of Jesse. Jesse became the father of David. David. Jesus became the son of David. She was a Moabite girl. Whoever obeyed Jesus and go the extra mile, as Jesus said, they've never lost. Elijah, when he was going, in fact, he wasn't even one of the sons of prophets, so it means he wasn't in school, he wasn't in college. Consider alone, they asked me, what Bible college did you attend? Ah... Uh, <laughs> I said, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost Bible College. I am like a houseboy of a, a, the prophet, just pouring water on his hand. So all the sons of prophet, they were the one in the college, bringing out the decree. He, he was just a servant of the prophet. But eventually, the servant of the prophet became the son of the prophet. Why the sons of the prophet became the apprentice of the prophet? Because in this kingdom, in this kingdom, it's the kingdom of sons. Hallelujah. And guess what? The one who went the extra mile, the lowest he was ever is the least where his master stopped. The last miracle his master performed before, before going was that he parted the Jordan. That was where he began from. That was the first miracle. And afterward, he doubled all the miracle of Elijah. Hallelujah. You will double all the miracle of, yeah. of in the mighty name of Jesus. He said there's something about the instruction of Christ that if a man will pay keen attention to it, there's a lot of people who went the extra mile. I'll tell you another one. It's called Rebecca. You know, when they wanted to marry a son for Isaac, the, the, the servant of Abraham that was looking for a wife for Isaac, and Isaac is a type of Christ, he went, when he met Rebecca, he said, please give me water to drink. As a duty of hospitality, if she gave him water to drink, she would have completed the first mile. She said, no, hold on. I will not only give you water to drink, I will go the second mile. I will water all your camels. A nice girl with long nails, pochi, watering camels. You see, in the eyes of other poch girls around, she will look very stupid and very local in their eyes. So maybe sometimes you've come to prayer meeting and all your wig has turned over when you're saying, Lord Jesus, do it, 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 do it. They say, this nice I do. What they didn't realize that she was going a second mile. Watering a cam watering not one camel. And camel can drink water. 
If you look through your Bible, everybody that has obeyed that instruction to go the second mile, their life has never remained the same. Because Rebecca eventually became the wife of Isaac. And Isaac is a type of Christ. Rebecca is a type of the church. The people that go the second mile. I could go through scripture, different individuals who went the second mile. Different people went the second mile. Do you know David went the second mile? After God has asked for the offering, David gave over and above what God asked for. Do you know David went the first mile, second mile? God said in, 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 in second summer, is it second summer or first summer? Second summer chapter seven, verse seven. God said, I have never asked any man that I want somebody to build a house for me. So there's no demand on any king or on any believer to build a house for God. David was the first man who went the second mile. And guess what God told him? If we open to that passage, God said, David, I swear to you that your dynasty will reign forever. You will never fail to have a man of Jerusalem. Say, because I have never demanded from a human behind the living God that I need somebody to build a house for me. Say, but because you choose to go that second mile. He said, David, nothing will remove you from the throne in Israel. That's why when Jesus came, he was still the son of David. Hallelujah. And it's the spirit they call the spirit of over and above. Over and above that which is required. That is, the man fulfills duty. Then he goes ahead to fulfill the call of love. Is there anybody here? Is there anyone walking on that road? The path where men fulfill the second mile. You see, there's nobody in scripture that amounted to anything. In their life, you will see where they did their second mile. Their extra mile. Like I joke with people, I say your tight is the first mile. It's a call of duty. God said, whoever doesn't pay their tithe, say they rob me. So there's a consequence to a robber. Isn't it? Your offering is a second mile. That's why they call it the love offering. Isn't it? Love because I love you. If I don't give it nothing, I'm not trying to collect an offering. So don't let the devil cheat anybody here. Okay? God wants to liberate lies. So, you see, if somebody doesn't bring their tithe, God says, you rob me. It's duty. The call of duty has consequence if you don't fulfill it. It might be a social responsibility. It might be an obligation. It might be an obligation to go one mile. If you're not doing it, there's trouble. But the call of love, nobody will query you for not doing it. Just like the born servant. He has finished serving his master. But he said, I'm going to go the second mile. Say for because of love, because the second mile is always a call of love. Hallelujah. I'll tell you one more person and I'll close here that went a second mile. And the second mile that this person went was bat out of revelation. And this is where I'm going. Because sometimes I try to know, Lord, how would somebody be able to go this second mile? There were some second mile in scripture that Jesus directly asked for. Like if you turn the other cheek. Say, so if somebody slapped me now and I do not retaliate, 
first mile. Okay, I'm a peace-loving person. God day. Although sometimes I'll come to the prayer meeting and I'll begin to shabababababababa. All those who reproach me in public, heaven answer them back. Oh, that person really disgraced me. Devil Jesus Christ, you've taken my reproach. All my reproach has been sent to Egypt. Arabababababa. So what are you making noise for? Even the first mile is shaking you. Hallelujah. He said, if they compel you to go with them one, he says, son, go with them the second one. You may appear to be like a fool to those people, but God honors them that go the second mile. But there's this second mile that's quite very interesting to me. And that was the second mile that somebody like David went. When he said, I wanted to build God a house. I said, but God, how did he know? And God said to me, all those who go second mile are those who have caught hold of revelation knowledge. Say, anyone that is not intimate with me will not know what I desire in my heart. Say, I've only mentioned a few second mile, but for as many that are my children that have intimacy with me, I don't have to mention what the second mile is. I say, alas, you never mentioned to anyone. How did David cut hold of that second mile? Says by revelation knowledge. Says second ma is things that flesh and blood has not revealed. You know when he asked Peter in Matthew 16, 16, he said, who do people say I am? He said, no, you are the Christ. He said, that was second mile declaration. And Jesus said, blessed are you, thou Simon by Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my father whom is in heaven, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I shall build my church. He said, the gate of Hades shall not prevail against it. He said, Peter, whatever you bound here on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose here on earth shall be lose in heaven. The one who goes second mile, they enter into the realm of God's authority. Then there's a man who second mile really caught my attention and I've tried to use it to discuss to stay respond because normally I'll tell people um, Cain, Cain gave God an excellent offering Cain gave to God an excellent offering and um, I want to know how many people agree with me how many people agree with me, let me give it a go that Cain gave to God an excellent offering I'm pastor. <laughs> okay, how many of you disagree? How many of you disagree? Okay, bishop disagree. Uncle disagree. I disagree. So why, why, why do you disagree? Uh, uncle disagree with me back there. Can't give God an excellent offering. Uncle, you are smiling, you disagree. You are neutral. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus Christ. It's in the Bible now. That King gave God an excellent offering. Okay. Area moment. Okay, okay. Those who disagree, what, what, what's your view? Remember, I'm pastor. Okay. 
where, where, Melissa, you disagree with me. Okay, why do you disagree? Okay, quickly, just speak. Okay, giving God the first fruit is giving God an offering of thanksgiving and acknowledgement for all things that, for all things come through God. God commanded us to give the first fruits and the firstborns, not that he wants, sorry, not that he wants to give the first fruits. He doesn't want us to give first fruits through tradition, but by faith and that all things come through God and he will bless us with more. Amen. Amen. Okay, I get your point. You are, you are, you are a Bible student. Who disagree with me? Okay. Praise the Lord. Our God is a God of justice. If uh, Cain has done the right thing, he won't be rejected. Praise the Lord. So I believe whatever it is that he gave, it is not what God desire. Praise the Lord. Bishop is being very technical now. I said straightforward that Cain gave God an excellent offering. Bible student, where are you? You disagree? Yes. Why do you disagree? <laughs> I disagree because the excellency of a gift, it is God that qualifies the excellency of a gift, not the giver. These people are just being theological. <laughs> We are talking yes or no question. People are talking. Hallelujah. Okay, sir. You made up your mind. Do you agree with me? Are you on my camp? God, there are many people against us now. I'm trying to win people over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, okay, let's settle this dispute. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. And the Bible says something in Hebrews 11, 11 4. It says something. Can, can we have it? Hebrews 11, 4. It says, By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So who offered his excellent sacrifice? Cain. Abel only offered a more excellent sacrifice. Are we here? So, there's somebody who went the extra mile. One offered the excellent sacrifice. You see, for anybody to know that God needs to be brought a sacrifice, that's the right thing to do. But one offered a more excellent sacrifice. And the question is, what is the more excellent sacrifice? The more excellent sacrifice is a sacrifice that comes from revelation knowledge. You see, even though God has not told them what he required, by intimacy with God, he knew what to bring to God. Are we together on this? So for the one that is going to offer, go the second mile, the one must be somebody that is walking the path by revelation knowledge. By intimacy with God. Amen. And I pray that you will be that one in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So we see these guys, there were things Jesus expressly asked for. He said, take the bag, go an extra mile. But we now see people in scripture 
whom God never asked. He never made mention of what is that extra mile. And everyone that fulfilled that extra mile were the people that stand out in scripture. So today this is a question for you church. Have you been walking the path of that extra mile? It's a question that everybody needs to search themselves. Because Jesus Christ said, if you love me, you will obey my command. And the extra mile is a call of love. Remember I say, even the tax collector, they are going the first mile. You see, so many people, they say they are Christians, but all they are doing is just the first mile. What makes a believer stand out, what makes you a disciple of Christ Jesus, is the one that obey his voice. And we see through scripture that all the people who are going that extra mile, they are the ones that are able to stand. They are the ones that God establishes. Jesus said, if, if, if you greet only your brother, he said, what have you done that the task collector don't do? What do you do that colleagues in your office don't do? What makes you different from them? What makes you stand out? Do you know it's the extra mile that makes a believer stand out? That's what makes you different from a moralist. There are people who just don't lie, not because they are born again. That's why they say some are better by nature than some are by grace. There are people who by nature, if they tell you they are coming, they, don't, they come. They keep to time. Because by nature, they are disciplined people. So where is the extra mile for a believer? Because it's the extra mile that actually sets you apart. You see, one of the reasons why the Bible says you are the salt of the earth, that if the salt lost its taste, that it will be fit for nothing but to be trampled on food by men. You see, why Christians are trampled over in society is that nobody is walking. Only a few, only a few is walking that part of the extra mile. Do you know it's the extra mile that sets you apart? It's what makes you swim against the tide. They say every dead fish swim in the direction of the current. It's only a living fish that swim contrary to the current. Today God is challenging you man and you sir and everybody who say they are a disciple of Jesus Christ. How will your life make a mark? You see many come by as if they didn't come at all. That will not be your testimony in the mighty name of Jesus. Your life needs to make a mark. There's no need you coming week in, week out, sitting under the word, and your life is not making any impact in your workplace, in your office. Your light is not shining. They wouldn't even notice you were in church on Sunday. The Bible tells me that all the disciples that were with Jesus, people who saw them later knew they had been with him. What's the essence of you sitting under the word? If it makes no difference. Because you're only simply doing the first man, which the task collector and the sinner are also doing. They are taking good care of their children as you are taking good care of yours. Some of them, if you slap them, they will not fight back. True or false? They, don't, they are not born again, but they will not fight you back. That is simply the first mile. And if that's all that you do, you're not doing anything different. Isn't that what Jesus said? You're not doing anything different. Some of them, they even give more. Filipino crisis. If you see what unbelievers give. So what makes you stand out as a believer? The extra mile. 
the extra mile. How many are walking that path? And the heart of it is that Jesus said, those who are my disciples, say, if you love me, because it's a call of love. It's the things believers do because we love Jesus, not because of anything else. That's why Jesus, Paul would always introduce himself. He said, I, Paul, a born servant of Jesus Christ. A born servant is the one who has an opportunity to go off to better himself, but chooses not to. Because I love my master. The ones that are going the second mile are the ones that are living the sacrificial life. You see, Ruth has an opportunity to go and marry and find rest. But she said to, to Naomi, may I only find my rest in your rest. Say, until you rest, Naomi, I, may I not find my rest. In this world, in this age, oh, we are in London, it's wisdom, oh. Let me secure myself and find my own rest. I have tried now. What else do I want to do? But God is calling his children to a second mile. Oh, may God heal his church. Oh, may we pay attention to the voice of our master. To the voice of our king. The one who is beckoning unto us day in, day out. Walk this path. This is the path I have called you to. I have not called you to religion. Religion is just coming to church on Sunday. And after you leave here, it, it does not amount to anything. At your workplace, there's no indication that you sat under the glory of God. The sweet worship, the sweet aroma of his presence. All is wasted. Wasted just for fun. Until you set your heart as an individual. That Lord, you helping me. That Lord, you helping me. I shall, be, I shall be numbered among them that are walking the second mile. Let's bow our head. I want us to speak to God because I'm persuaded that this morning God has convicted hearts and spirit. And we'll all know where we are. And you see, when Jesus was saying this thing, he was issuing us a decree. He wasn't giving an option. He said, I say unto you, if they compel you to go with them one mile, say, go with them the second. If you are my disciple indeed. Let's begin to repent. In every way that we have failed to go a second mile. And we have been comfortable with just doing the first mile. Say, Father Lord, forgive me as a believer. Say, Jesus, I realize now that I have been disobedient to your voice. That's why my life has not been making much of a difference. That's why my Christianity has not been impacting anything. I have been born again for years. But my Christianity, in all honesty, has impacted nothing. Say, Father, forgive me. Say, because God did not give his Holy Spirit to his people so that they can, it can become a badge of honor that we display or a sticker we put on our car. It's meant to change life, to transform situations. Say, Lord, I confess that I've been born again for three years, for six years, for nine years, but I cannot say my Christian work has impacted life and changed situation. Say, Daddy, I come to repent. So, Holy Spirit, I humble myself. I am being honest with you. Holy Spirit, I say, forgive me. I am not one of those who pretend as though that the Spirit cannot see my life and my heart. So, Holy Spirit, I openly confess before you. Let's speak to God. Let's speak to God. It's time to talk to Him. You see, the purpose of God bringing you to church is so that He may heal you. So that He may transform your work. He may transform your life. And there's no use if those things don't happen. Say, so, Lord, do a work in my life, I pray. 
Empower me, O Lord God. Transform my life, O Lord God. Help me to see beyond myself. Because all them that walk the second mile are people that are sold out for God. Lord, help me to be sold out for you and for your kingdom, I pray. Lord, do a work, O Lord God, even in my life, even in my home, O Lord. Help me, my God, my King. Thank you, our Father and our God. Hallelujah. Let's begin to pray to God now. Father, Lord, empower me. If God is putting an area in your heart now where you can make a difference, is it at your place of work? Where you can go the second mile? Is it in your neighborhood? Where you can go the second mile? So that your light may shine. So that the sorts of your life may be, may be flavored again. Say, Lord, I've lost a lot of flavor. Empower me. Talk to God about those places. Talk to God. And if you can't think of anything, say, Father, Lord, give me opportunity. I am making a commitment to you. If you show me when, because the Holy Spirit is faithful. If a man seriously commits himself to God, Holy Spirit will begin to show you where you can go the second mile. Say, Lord, every situation and circumstance that I could go in the second mile, say, Father, please show me. Open my eyes. Open the eyes of my spirit so that this morning would have not been in vain. So that I wouldn't have sat under the oh, glory of God in vain without any impact, without any effect. Say, Holy Spirit, open my heart, oh Lord God. Open my spirit, I pray. Oh Father, Lord, transform us one heart at a time. Lord, I thank you for all your children that are seated here. I know it's because you want to move their life forward. That's why you have brought them here under your word, under your power, to break the yoke, oh Lord God, of selfishness, self-centeredness, and to release a selflessness. Thank you, our God. Father, we give glory. May our life impact our world. May the testimony of Christ be upon our head. Oh, may our light shine. May our soul become flavored again. Thank you, our King. Blessed be your holy name. Father, we shall return with testimony of gratitude and of thanksgiving. Glory be to you, our rock. Blessed be you, our God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. All else remember. All else remember. I just want to.